All right, greetings once again from Fremont E. Free. Glad to have you back with us here as we turn our attention this morning to Acts chapter 16. Now, we have been doing some other stuff this morning, recording some question and answer podcasts, and so this will be a shortened version of the Acts discussion, but we thought it would be helpful to do that this morning to give 10 minutes attention to Acts 16. Now, I know you told me beforehand that you have a question to ask, so we're going to start there today. Oh, man, we're starting right there. Yeah, we're going to go a little bit different than normal. Um, Okay. So we're going to start with your question, and just full disclosure, I don't know what this question is, so we are... we are flying in, in the dark here, in the fog. So go ahead, Jim. Tell me tell me your question. I'll do my best to answer it. Yeah, and I don't know if you'll be able to know the answer to this question, but it was curious to me to think about everything that happened with Paul and Silas. They get beaten. They get thrown into prison. And then, you know, they get released. And then the next day, I guess they go back to the magistrates or, or the people. And it's at that point they reveal to them that they are Roman citizens. Right. Right. So there's the question, why didn't they do it earlier? Why didn't they do that right up front? Like if I'm getting ready to beat with a rod, I'd be like, Hey guys, Roman citizen, let me pull out my citizenship card here. Um, like why didn't they do that earlier? Do you, do you know? So like, there's some theories on that. Okay. Oh, um, I love it. We got some. Theories. So, one theory would be that, you know, the, the, the people were just so intent on beating them that they didn't have an opportunity to say anything. Like it um, just happened so fast and yeah. so rushed and chaotic that they didn't even have the opportunity. That would be one theory okay. is that they, they would say, well, you know, if someone's intent on beating you with rods, you're not like, hold on, sir. Let me tell you a story. I'm a right. Roman citizen. Like, right. It doesn't always work like that. Right. The theory I'm more inclined to is that um, what they didn't want to happen is for uh, the crowds to perceive that when I say they, I mean, Paul and Silas, the, the Paul and Silas did not want the crowds to perceive that their primary loyalty was to Rome. Oh, and so they saved that card back. This, this is the other theory. They saved that card back because they didn't want the crowds to get confused about who they were actually loyal to, that they were loyal to Jesus, not to Rome. And so they would willingly take the beating, the even though they knew beating. it was illegal, because they didn't want people to get confused about where their true loyalty lied. Their loyalty was not with Rome. Their loyalty was with Jesus. And so those are the two uh, primary theories I've heard as to why they held that back. Uh, I mean, the real answer is we don't know, but I, I'm more inclined to the second to think that they they probably held back that information because they didn't want people to be confused about who they were most loyal to, and it was not Rome, it was Jesus. And so they would take the beating, but that doesn't mean they were unafraid to play the citizenship card later, but clearly at that point, it was obvious that their loyalty was to Jesus, and so they right. the reason why they then do bring it up later was for the two reasons I mentioned yesterday, which is probably to protect other Christians in Philippi so that they're not treated in the same way, so that the... the like the thing to understand is for Roman magistrates to do what they did actually put them in a pretty dangerous position of losing their job. Like sure. protecting Roman citizens was a really important part of the Roman magistrates job. And so to do something out of order, which they did, that's, that's why it says in verse 38 um, that the magistrates were afraid when they heard that they're Roman citizens. They, they were right. afraid that they were going to get in trouble. And so right. what, what what's happening here, I think, is that Paul and Silas are making it so that the next time there, people are going to be a little bit more hesitant to do that type of rash action, knowing, oh, that got us in trouble last time. Right. And so they're protecting their fellow Christians. They're also protecting, I think, the idea that they're just these subverters of Roman culture. Like They're protecting the church's reputation. So that they right. play that card later because of those reasons, but they saved it because I don't think they wanted to confuse where their loyalty really lied. That, that would be huh. the prevalent theories that are out there. Yeah, because that is kind of a pattern with Paul, isn't it? Because we're going to see this later when he gets arrested in Jerusalem 
And then he doesn't pull out his Roman citizenship card until much later. So there is kind of a pattern, it seems like, in Paul's working that he saves it. But and he's that, not and, afraid to use but it But he's either. not afraid to use it. But that reason of... that That's an interesting reason. I never heard of that before. So yeah. that, that was really helpful. So it, like just a side note here, too. Like I, I think... If you were to try to make an argument from the Bible about should there be citizenship and those types of things, I think I think Paul and the way he, or even like you know, should we as Christians fight for our rights for freedom of religion, for example? Like, sure. I think you could make an argument from passages like this. The answer is yes. Yeah, right. we we should use our rights as American citizens, what we believe the the Constitution teaches, to sometimes even go to court if we need to to try to defend our rights. Like, I think that's okay. That that's a bit of a side note here, and that's not really what you're asking. But I think I think. I think those pieces are actually important to see Paul using his rights as a Roman citizen to advocate for justice. Um, he doesn't say, oh, you know, we're Christians, we're just going to get treated poorly. Oh, well. Um, right. You know, because I think sometimes we can have that mindset, like, we just need to take it as Christians, like, realize this is, you know, our, our plot, we're sojourners and exiles. Well, obviously that's true, we are sojourners and exiles, but it's still okay to advocate for the rights right. that we feel like we're owed as citizens. And that's why I would say, you know, Christian legal organizations that are out there that are defending the rights of Christians, that's a good thing and in line with what Paul does here. So does Paul, you know, it says um, in, in verse 30, 35, where it says, but when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let these men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, you know, saying this. So did Paul then at that point, did Paul go back to the magistrates at that point? Or is, is this messages that are being relayed back and forth to each other? Yeah, as you read through it, it sounds like it's a bit of a sending people to do things, right? Like right. the jailer reported these words to Paul saying right. what they did. And Paul says, well, you know, if they if they beat us publicly, like they're going to have to let us go publicly. And so then the police reported the words back to the magistrates, it seems like. And then the magistrates right. come to Paul, right? right. That's verse right. 39. So right. it seems like he doesn't move, but he's sending the, he's sending he's sending messages. the, the police back. Hey, right. tell them, you're not going to let us go without coming and apologizing to us. We're Roman citizens. Right. Like, if you want to release us, you're going to have to do it publicly. You beat us publicly. Right. So it, it seems to me like they're sending back and forth there a little bit. And the magistrates finally come to them in verse 39. Right. Apologize to them, and then they did ask them to leave the city. Right. And, you know, Paul and Silas did leave the they city. They did leave. Right. 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 So you said, uh, I know I'm asking you lots of questions. So That's you okay. said yesterday in the sermon, and I want to make sure I heard you right, that you were talking about the unique people that have been changed. Uh, in this in this passage, right, that you talked about, and that they yeah, were I think I might the, know where you're going with this. Go ahead. The unexpected people that you talked about, yep. Lydia. Mm-hmm. That you talked about the Philippian jailer, and yep. then you talked about the woman who had the spirit cast out of her. Yeah, that's where I figured you're going. So your question is, was she actually converted, or was she actually changed? Is that your question? Yeah, that's my question. Uh, yeah, I don't know that we know that. Like, I do think obviously the gospel impacted her in the sense, that at the very least, that she was freed from demon oppression. Right. Like, right. but I don't think we could say definitively that she came to know Christ. Like, right. but I think the point that I, I made in quoting Stott was like, all these people are at least affected, affected by the proclamation by, of by the Christ. news. Like, I think we could clearly say Lydia and the jailer did come to know Christ. Right. Now we could, we could infer maybe, oh, maybe, maybe she did the slave girl, but we don't know that. Like, right. but what we can say at the very least is the proclamation of the power of Christ set her free from demon oppression. Right. right. So, you know, the, the the good news of Christ and his triumphing over spiritual forces of darkness was at the very least proclaimed to her. It affected her in a positive way. But, I mean, to be fair, we don't know. 
Um, I mean, and, and I debate, like, it's always hard to know, like, how much do I get into the weeds in this stuff on Sunday right. morning? Because I only have X amount of time. So I, I purposely used the language I did not to say they were all saved, but they're right. all affected by the gospel. Right. But I don't think we know for sure about the right. slave girl. I mean, I did, as I thought about that, I thought, boy, you know, every time Jesus cast a demon out of someone, they followed him. Like, I think that happened. I mean, I don't know that definitively. But yeah, I think that happened. I mean, off the top of my head, that seems like most of the time that time. So yeah. that did cause me, you know, it doesn't say what she did or didn't do, um, but it did, did make you wonder. It did make me wonder, like, hmm, that was kind of a pattern. I wonder what happened to this lady. Yeah, and it, it, I did think it was interesting to think, like, okay, you have this powerful businesswoman, a, a trader of purple, right? Like, which was a big deal of color of royalty, all that, Lydia. And then you have this slave girl, the lowest of low. And then you have a right. Philippian jailer who's, you know, he's kind of somewhere in between maybe or, you know, and you have women and you have men. Like, it, it's right. just, it is interesting, like, that the people of all different backgrounds are being impacted by the gospel. Yeah. And that, are, that is powerful. being affected, for that, sure. That, that it wasn't like Paul and Silas, like, well, we're only going to preach this to the rich. Or we're right. only going to preach this to men. Or we're only going to preach this to Jewish people. Like, it's just whoever they encountered and whatever they encountered, and they, they told them about Jesus. Yeah. which is a good model for us. Like we, we shouldn't think like our goal is to reach a certain subset of people. Our goal is to reach all people with the good news of the gospel. Right. Right. All right. Any other questions you have? Cause otherwise our, our shortened version will be about <laughs> done. Do you have any other questions? You know, you know, so I had, so, okay. So I had a connection that I was wondering if this would be a legitimate connection to make, you know, I thought it was interesting in 25, which I love. I love that verse at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God after getting beat and, right, sure. and everything. And then it says, and the prisoners were listening to them, which I thought was an interesting little... A little side note that's side note interesting. To Agreed. Right. And I'm wondering if there's a connection there, because when the doors open up, the 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 prisoners escaped, and, and the, you know, the jailer is about to kill himself, and Paul says with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We are all here. Right. So the prisoners didn't escape, but the prison doors were open, just to clarify. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the ahead. prisoners who had an opportunity to leave didn't. And they are all there. Are you asking if there's a connection between them listening wondered, and them staying? Did the gospel make this impact? Was the gospel already making an impact in such a way in these prisoners that that was their motivator to stay? I mean, I'm sure there's not enough details to know the answer to that question. But I have wondered, like, what is the motivation for hardened criminals that just had their doors open not to leave? Yeah, I, I think if, again, we don't know, we're speculating, but if you had to infer why did they stay, that would be a good guess, right? Like, they, they hear this praying and singing. Right. Um, clearly, they're moved to the sense that they're listening. Right. Um, they're not yelling at them to stop. They're listening. Like, there's something about Paul and Silas that had their intention. Right. Then you have this giant earthquake, um, which, you know— You'd have to think in the same way that the Philippian jailer was at some point alerted, okay, the, there's something going on here that these other prisoners at some point were like, all right, I don't know what's going on, but there's something. There's um, got to be a connection There's, here. there's something going on here. And right. they were just willing to listen to what Paul and Silas were saying, maybe. Yeah. So. yeah. But Jesus is worth it, right? I mean, yep. Jesus is, that was really convicting and challenging just to think about is, you know, Jesus is worth it. Yeah, is he is he greater than everything else in our life? Or are we living accordingly? Right. And you know, for me, just you know, again, try not to make this podcast too long. But like, I think 
you know, would my kids, if they were honest, would they say, oh yeah, Jesus clearly what I'm most passionate about. Like right. would I spend my free time thinking about and, and even my own heart, like would I say that's my greatest passion, right? Like, that, you know, there's convicting for me to see the supremacy of Christ. And in particular, like someone asked me afterwards, like, you know, they said, oh, you mentioned six things that he's supreme over, like which one was the most convicting for you? And, and my answer is probably the, the security and safety piece. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, if, and I, if I could throw comfort into that, I would. Like, sure. my comfort and safety and security, I sometimes do allow to trump um, over my passion for Christ. If I'm honest, right. like, and I, I don't want to admit that, but that's just true. Right. Like, I would rather be safe than I would be advocating Christ. And that's, that's convicting. Right. Yeah, absolutely is. Okay. Well, that's all we got for Acts today, a shortened version. Hopefully it was still helpful for you. Um, again, the Word of God is good. Next week, I believe it's Acts 17, 1 to 15. So I'd encourage you to read ahead, and we'll uh, keep trucking on in the meantime.